Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6? I'm going to begin sharing something that there's no way that I can get through. But I'm going to get to it, okay? We'll get to it and we'll see how far we can go. Youth, we're going to let you go to your class because I forgot that too. Because they're going back to school. Do they start this week? The 25th. Next week, I want us to pray for the teachers and the students. Do they? In Jesus' name. We're going to pray next week, but we're going to pray that that prayer be preactive, reactive, retroactive, all kind of active, right? So be it, Lord. Cover all these. As they go, as they prepare, amen. Protect them in Jesus' name. So we have been working for months through the book of Ephesians. What a masterful book. I, I want to encourage you, if there is a book that you spend a lot of time in, and there's a lot of good, of, good, good ones, good of them, there's a lot of good ones, <coughs> and I would encourage you to spend time in all of them, but if you need a concise, condensed book that talks about the gospel, what God accomplished for us, let me do this this way so it's, it works uh, linearly with you, what God has done for us, what he desires to do and what he's putting in place, and, and, and the equipping, what it takes for us to, to come into line with who we are in him. The book of Ephesians is a fantastic book. If you read it once and then you read it again and then you read it again, you can take a verse and take it piece by piece and it will infuse you with strength. It will educate you about the kingdom of God and, and what God's purchased for us, what his intentions are for us, what we have to, to battle with internally and externally. But it is an expansive book within six chapters. Okay? So it was... It, it's all marked up in my Bible and every Bible that I've had. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, and that's why we spent months with it. And there's a few tangents that the Lord's had us go on during this process, so we haven't spent a full... I started in January, I believe. <coughs> Past Eric and the Song of Solomon. He <laughs> but uh, anyhow, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6. We talked about children obeying the parents. Fathers, don't exasperate or frustrate your children. We talked last week about slaves and why slaves were encouraged. Remember, in that context, why slaves were, were encouraged to obey and not just run away. You know, my heart was going to say, you need to run away. But he's in a culture where there's two-thirds of the people were enslaved because of the conquest and everything of Rome, that in order to have employment, they needed to stay in the household and influence that household for the Lord. And they did, amazingly. And then he says, if you find yourself in a position as a master, then you should, if you are managing a household and there's people that are dependent on you, you need to be, you need to treat them right. They treat them like brothers and sisters in the Lord. If they found that that was the position that you found yourself in. So that, that was an amazing, you, you should do that as unto the Lord in whatever position that you found yourself. Now we're coming to another passage. He starts off in, in verse chapter 10. And I'm going to read a few things here. But verse chapter 10, he starts out, what's that? 
Oh my goodness gracious. Y'all help me out when I need it, would you? I really don't mind that. I'd rather, look, God works through humanity, right? <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 10. Thank you, Ralph. <laughs> he says, finally, finally. What does he mean by finally? In this sense, it doesn't mean that he's been working up to this place. It really means, it, it, it means that before we finish, finish up, there's something else I'd like to be able to give to you. This is important. You need to get this. I don't, all the things that we've talked about, all the things we've gone through, I don't want to finish without giving you this. You need this understanding, okay? He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand your ground... And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, your God. Lord, because in your word, your God, we find the insight, the revelation, your God, the things that we know, need to know to be equipped for life. Holy Spirit, we are thankful that you have come alongside your believers your God, you, you are the promised one, and you've come alongside us to help lead us into truth, to help us understand your word, to help and give us guidance and direction, a nudge where we need it, a finger pointed when we need it, your God, a correction when it's needed, to help us live the life that we've been called to live. So Father, I pray this morning that you'll take this word, and Lord, I pray that you would water it, that you would help it bring freedom to captives. And, Lord, that you would help bring confidence to warriors. And, God, that you would have the victory. And, God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is just a little bit mind-boggling to be able to jump into and be able to share all of this with you. But we'll, we'll do what we can, and then we'll come back if need be. <clears throat> he says, be strong, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. So, um, this word here where it says be strong, if we could just go to that in a grammatical sense, it literally means it's in the aorist passive tense. The Greek, don't you love this? <laughs> in a Greek verb structure, if something was in the aorist tense, it meant a past action that has an ongoing effect. But what's interesting about this is it's also passive. It means that something has acted on you in the past, but now it's got an ongoing effect. So it's saying here to be strong. Something has come on you. Something has been enacted in your life to make you strong. God did something on the inside. He changed me and turned me upside down. He put his power inside of me. And I may not have understood everything that was going on and what happened, but what he put inside of me wasn't just for a moment or that day. It's got an ongoing effect on my life. 
influence on my life. It's ever strengthening, ever growing. It's eris passive. I didn't know everything that was going on, but God was acting on me. God was acting on you. So be strong. That strength that he gave was not just for that moment. But, you know, when God helps you through a situation or when God visits you in a situation and gives you the strength for that day, that treasure that's laid up in you as a testimony, doesn't it just refresh you in other times? David said, look, I may have never fought a giant, but I did tackle a bear and a lion. And that same God that helped me that day is still present today. I'm going to take you down. It's going to take one stone here. I've got five other. I had five that I picked up because I know there's five of you. But I'm only going to have to. There were, there were five brothers, five giant brothers. He had one for that day, and he knew that there were others that might be coming. He was ready if they did. He didn't just knock the giant down. He cut his head off. He used, <laughs> I love it. He used Goliath's sword. David didn't even take a sword into the battle. He took, he took Goliath's sword, the very strength of what the enemy had, and used it against him. Amen? So those victories that God has given you, those moments in his presence that have strengthened you and fortified you, God is building an arsenal of faith inside of you, an arsenal of experience, so that when the next giant dares to raise his head... Boy, this is a nonviolent sermon, isn't it? <laughs> Let me tell you. God, he says, be strong. You had an experience, but it's got a uh, uh, continuing in effect. It says, so it is to be strong, but it also is to grow strong or be strengthened in the Lord. And it's a progressive thing in the Lord. We don't just get saved and that's it. God's intention for us is to be ever maturing, ever growing, ever strengthening, ever displaying who he is in the earth, right? So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Is there something thematic about this verse? He says be strong and then he talks about mighty and he talks about power. He's trying to get something across to us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The, the word, we're gonna, I'm not going to go into the Greek in it, but the word that's mighty there is mighty power. The word mighty there is speaking of force. And if we say that something is mighty, in English it's already communicating to us that it is a, a dynamic effect to it. It's, it's not just a static something. It's not just something that's sitting there. It's not just potential. But it's effective, right? It's something that is effective. It's mighty. And the, pow the, the word there for power, his mighty power, looks like it's almost double speaking, but it's not. Because um, um, the word for power, there's a pr the word kratos. And you can go back and look up these words and, and spend some time digging in it. But that, again, is a word for force. But the sense of the word kratos has to do with something that is complete, that it is... It, it is, it's perfect. It, it, it is, in other words, it's, there's nothing lacking. It's not just mighty and it's not just powerful. It is completely all you need to be able to do what needs to be done. Be strong in his 
mighty power. It's effective. It can get the job done. It's not just static and potential. It's really active and alive, and it can get things done. But also, it's all you're going to ever need. It, to me, it takes me back to, to Exodus chapter 3, 15, when, when God speaks to Moses, and he said, you tell them that the I Am sent you. Look, they may have been exposed to the gods of the sun, the gods of the river, the gods of the frogs, all the different gods, the alligator god. And, and, uh, but when you go and they're asking who's sending, you tell them that the I am. There's whatever it is that you need. Ehye, asher ehye is what it is in the Hebrew. It means... It literally, if we say I am that I am, it literally means the, the it's all-inclusive. I will be everything that you ever needed. I'm that kind of God. Because the nations tended to worship. I spoke a little bit about it when, we, when I was praying or prophesying or speaking over us. They pursued Baal because they thought we, we need to have a Baal in the pocket because Baal is like a god of war. We need that. And we need, we need the, the fertility god so that our crops can grow. You know, we need protection we need prosperity. Is there, are we missing something? We need health. We need a God that can, can heal us. And so they'd pursue a God that might could bring healing. And so you'd line up all these charms on the, the wall, and we'd make sure we're trying to cover all our bases. And if you know anything about Hinduism, there are millions of gods. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to cover all their bases. They want to make sure that they're appeasing all the gods out there so that if they need something, that's all covered. But in that, the environment of the day had not yet grown to the complexity of what's in Hinduism right now. But still, the environment among the nations with regards to worshiping multiple gods was there, and specifically the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. So which God, who is it that's sending you? Which one of these gods is delivering us? They've spent 400 years immersed in... in uh, in the Egyptian culture, I'm getting sidetracked by something. And I'm going to go ahead and say it just because it's a sidebar. But can you handle a sidebar? When I, when I came to the States, um, I went into, uh, I, I didn't have a confirmation of a call into ministry. Now, every church that I ever went to and everybody that I ever around said, they said, so you're going to be a, a minister, right? You're going to be a, a missionary like your parents, right? And I would just say No. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be, but for me, my whole life, everybody called me to the ministry, and I didn't want to go unless I knew that it was God. Everybody assumed it was just the thing to do. And so until I had a firm word from the Lord that God was calling me to do that, I would say no emphatically, but I'd be on my face on the floor in the church after church and say, God, please call me to the ministry. I want to serve you. I want to be a minister. And so that was my, I would prostrate, make sure I get that right. I'd lie before the Lord and pray <laughs> and ask God, Lord, please call me to ministry. But I needed to have a specific place. so I knew it was not man, but it was God, okay? I went to Emmanuel College and studied church music, and part of that meant that we had to do art songs. And I will save you a very bass operatic song. I won't do that. But, but I got the, our choir director for the art school sent us to Holmes Bible College. Anybody know of Holmes Bible College? It, it was a very strict school, especially in that day, very strict. And he sent me there and sent me, and the song that he wanted me to sing was O Isis and Osiris. 
at homes. If y'all know anything about, he, about Egyptian gods, Isis and Osiris are Egyptian gods. And this choir, I didn't even know what it was. It was just a song in another language to me. He sent me to this very strict Bible college, and I sang a song about two Egyptian pagan gods. I don't know if they knew what I was singing or not, but to think of it now, I'm like, why did you do that to me? I was puzzled with that last night. Why am I talking about this? Okay, back on track. Look, it was so common in the culture of that day. It was so familiar. Nobody thought it was strange or different to worship multiple gods and be entertaining those things, offer your food to them. Let's have a happy time. Let's have a party and we'll celebrate the gods. I mean, they would go to the temples and have orgies and parties and all kinds of things. I mean, it was violent and detestable, but it was common. When you grow up in that culture, you don't know anything different. But God said, you tell them that I am sent you. Look, all of that stuff, trying to appease all of things, jumping through all of those hoops, there's one, the I am. I will be everything you ever need. He is the complete package. He is the one. There's no need to look anywhere else. Our hope can rest in him. When he speaks about and be strong in the Lord and, and in his mighty power, he's telling us that, look, that deposit that I gave you, it is effectual. It's what you need. It's all you need. It is, it is the arsenal. I'm giving you all that you need to be able to be effective for me. And let's go back. Can we go back to Ephesians chapter 1? Just jump back a little bit. Because Paul writing in chapter 6, he's still got chapter 1 on his mind. He's tying it all together here. And so let's go get, start with verse 18. I love this passage. When I was in school, I had, to, I had a, 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 a part in a... In a um, a song that we would sing, and I had to stand up and, and share part of this. It's still, still on the inside of me. And he says in verse 18, I pray also, Paul's praying over the Ephesians, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened. Lord God, May our eyes be opened, your Lord. We, may we not be deceived, Lord. May we not be caught up in all the circumstances and situations around. May we not be mindful of all the lack. May we not be mindful of, of giants or difficulties or problems and things. But, Lord, may our, our minds be enlightened. May they be opened up so that we can see the hope that you've called us to. And may that hope erode away every insecurity, every fretful thought, every sense of depression or, or, or brokenness. May that hope, may the light of that hope overwhelm every piece of darkness, every part of darkness in our life, anything that would try to drag us down and, and keep us from being the people that you called us to be. Enlighten you in order that you may know the hope to, to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Can I just tell you this? We, we, we spoke of the scripture already where he says, you know, the, the cattle on the thousand hills is mine. All the gold and all the silver of the earth is mine. He planted in the earth where we discover it and get excited about it, but he already planted it there. He just stored it under dirt because he didn't really need it. But you know what his treasure is? It's you. 
It's you. If Christopher went out with the youth, but if I discovered something that was so valuable to me that I was willing to trade Christopher off, <laughs> no, that's, that's human speaking, and we wouldn't do that type of thing. But God sent his son because he wanted to build a bridge between the chasm that was created by man's sin between heaven and earth to create an opportunity for us to come back into relationship with him. And he sent his son because he valued you that much. Would you just help me and say that he valued me that much? Come on, say it with me. He valued me that much. You can put your name in there. He valued you that much. He sent his son. He values the inheritance that's in the saints. It's a treasure. His glorious inheritance in the saints. And I just want to tell you, that's a two-way street, folks. We're his inheritance because of what Christ did. But he's our inheritance because we're joined together as family. We're one with, we've been made one with him. What a glorious opportunity. Mm. I'm not worthy, but he's made us worthy. We can step into him. You know, I, I've cried many tears before the Lord and wept and said, God, I'm not worthy. I'm so sorry for doing this. I'm so sorry for missing that. I'm so sorry that I did that. And I've told you before, but I'm going to tell you again. I remember lying right down here and moaning and groaning and complaining before the Lord about my faults and flaws and things I wasn't happy about. And the Lord said, don't ever approach me like that again. But Lord, that's how I was taught. Woe is me. I'm so lowly, Lord. I'm so lowly. And he said, don't ever approach me that. And we need to get this in our spirit. I'm going to tell you. When you are driven to view yourself based on where you came from, that's not God. But when you are able to see yourself for who he's created you to be, that's the Spirit of the Lord working inside of you. That doesn't mean we get all puffed up about ourselves, but we can get all puffed up about what God's doing. We can get excited about what he's doing. God does not see you lowly, unworthy, a sinner. God does not see you that. Now, I know we're breaking some church traditions now, but God doesn't see you as the old man anymore. The Holy Spirit, just like the Holy Spirit came alongside in creation when everything was formless and void and said, the Holy Spirit's hovering over, I think I said it right, didn't I? Hovering over that expanse that was just unformed. It was a, a wasteland. It hadn't even been put together the way it's going to be put together, but the Holy Spirit was excited about it. And he was present in that place with the expectation of what God was going to produce. Isn't it interesting that when we're born into the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us because he's excited about what God's getting ready to do. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. He points us in the right direction. He gives us guidance. He, he whispers in our ear, try this, do this. And he tells us, no, don't do that one, but do this one. He gives us guidance and direction. He corrects us when we need correction. But he also says that he's come to empower us for works of service. 
But that same Holy Spirit that was right there over creation is excited about what God's creating right here. He's come alongside us, our paraclete, our helper, our comforter. Oh, Lord Jesus. This is going, we're going, this is going to be two-part. Mm. The riches of his inheritance in the saints and his, this is even a hard word for me to say, his incomparably great power, it says in the NIV, for us who believe, his incomparably great power. That means we take the power of the sun, the force of the power. We take the power of an atomic bomb, hydrogen bomb is more powerful, of a hydrogen bomb. You think about the power of that thing. But this scripture says that that power that is at work in us is incomparably great. There is no force in all of creation that can compare with the power that is at work in us. But that word that's translated in us is a difficult word to translate because it can go so many different directions and that the translators have to pick something based on context. But you can go to different Bible translations, you can tell that they're having difficulty with it. I just love the way the Lord works because the Lord, you know, we like to pigeonhole something and say, this is the only way it can be because we understand this. I got this revelation. I got this understanding. That's the only way it could work. So that's why when God created life, he created life with a skeletal system. We got a skeletal system. Why? That holds us all together, right? So that's the only way. Life can exist, right? So he makes a turtle. And he puts a shell on the outside. It's connected to the spine. And it's all, but I thought the spine was supposed to be on the inside because that's how it works, right? And then he makes an octopus. Where's the skeleton? It's got a beak, but it's got muscles that it can move and it's agile. It can fit through small spaces. It can do all kinds of things. Well, we need sunlight and nice warm weather to live. No, do you know that there are, are creatures that live in the, the Arctic regions? There's creatures that live in the Arctic regions that have something inside their physiology that's the equivalent of antifreeze. It's not the same poisonous antifreeze that we have, but there's something they are studying because it has the ability that courses through its veins to keep it from freezing in those Arctic waters. So God... What is life supposed to look like? It can be as diverse as God is. His creativity. That just is amazing. You know, I get fascinated with these kind of things. God can do things so many different ways. And when he speaks of his power, that same incomparably great power that's worked within us, and it says it's work at work in us, that same word can be translated towards us. So his power is working towards us on our behalf it also says it also could be translated that power is working through us so it's not just coming to us so that our needs are met but it's it's coming through us it's coming to us so it can get in us so that it can work through us and god can do the things he needs done through his people can I just say it again? Incomparably great. There's nothing in all of creation to compare with that. That's the kind of power that's inside of us. 
we got to be connected to the source. Can I talk some electrician stuff? You can have, I'm trying to come up with some kind of fancy gadget. I love a coffee pot. <laughs> I've got a coffee pot back there that should have cost $300. But I'm cheap. So I went online and found a used one for 75 That's a lot for a coffee pot. That's a lot for coffee, but it'll grind the coffee on top, and, and he got fresh ground coffee, and I love it. <coughs> so the day I went and bought that, I went to Raleigh, and I didn't even tell Cecile before I bought it. I just kind of rode up there. But the night before, I saw that there was another one for sale, so I got two. I got one for 25 It's a little bit of a downgrade, but it still does the same thing. And, and I told Cecile before I got home, because I didn't want her to have to talk to me when I got to the house. I called her on the way, and she said, you cracked me up. So she was gracious. Yes, I'm a blessed man. But anyhow, that coffee pot is sitting back there, and it, it has great potential to be able to make a great cup of coffee. I'm keeping this simple, okay? But it does no good unless it's plugged into the source. Yesterday, the Lord took me to a place where I was praying over us. I was praying over our body. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't trying to be spiritual, folks. I was just going about my day. And all of a sudden, the Lord kept bringing people to mind. And I'm not going to be personal with anybody. But, folks, the reality is I have struggles. I have things that I wrestle with and I fight with. And every one of us does. It's a part of human life that we have things that we've got to overcome and we make decisions every day if we're going to go the right way or the wrong way, if we're going to say what we need to say or we're not going to say what we need to, if we're going to do the right thing or not do the right thing. And, and the Holy Spirit is faithful to give us what we need to do and the enemy is determined to try to trick us up and tell us what we shouldn't do and try to trick us into that. And... all the good that God has intended for us to do and all that he has prepared us and equipped us for and all that he has invested in us that we could accomplish for him and accomplish in life and to leave a legacy and an impact on the hearts and lives of other people. The enemy has laid snares and traps and, and things to trip us up and to keep us from being able to accomplish those things. And as I was Minding my own business and going through my day, the Lord kept bringing people to mind and just kind of giving me an idea of the fact. And, and, and God was not exposing things, so God wasn't telling deep, dirty secrets or things like that, but God was just making me mindful that, folks, every one of us to some degree have got things that we're wrestling with, and the enemy is trying to bind our hands. He's trying to trip our feet. He's trying to befuddle our minds he's trying to burden us down with things to where we can't raise up our heads he's trying to hold us back in some kind of way from being the people that God's called us to be if we'll make the right decision if we'll choose well and I've got to interject this because the Lord's been placing this in my heart and in choosing well, we're making up our minds what we need, what we want, what we should be doing with our life. Don't run to all these other 
the fertility gods and the war god and all the other resources that are out, out there. I know that we're not setting up idols in our house, but sometimes we put a lot of things in front of God. God wants to be first. And God said to the children of Israel, is there no God in Israel that you had to go to all these other things to find help? Is there no God? Does God not have ears to hear? Is his arm short that he can't save? What I've been challenged, and I got on my face yesterday and I confessed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm sorry for not inviting you to be involved more often. I'm sorry for fretting and straining. There's things that, you know, I'm, I... Those of you who know me this way know the fact that when it comes to studying something, to purchasing something, to doing something, I am detailed. I will know about that thing down to these chairs right here. I know more about these chairs. And that, the company that I bought these chairs from asked me if I'd be willing to move to California and work for them because I knew more about their product than their workers did. I'm serious. By the way, Bible Missionary Baptist got the same kind of chairs because I told them that. <coughs> But I confessed to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I didn't recognize you as my first source. That that wasn't the first place that I went to. Because the Lord was speaking to me about our congregation. I, I am not belittling anybody, and there's a lot of good churches, but folks, we have had more teaching in truth. We've had more grounding in the Word than a lot of churches a lot of churches. But still, in, there's a way that our, our hands are tied or our feet, our voice is limited in what we can do. And there are things that are so familiar to our life experience that we think that's who we are, and it's not what God intended. God has been speaking something to me for the last two and a half weeks and saying... Your diagnosis is not your destiny. And that's not just medical. Not your, your past failure, the things that you've been involved in, that doesn't mean that's your destiny. That may be where you're coming from, but that's not where you're going to. Don't allow that to define you. Don't allow things that are stripping you from your spiritual might to keep you from being who God's called you to be. Press forward. Press forward into what God's called you to do. Don't, don't... I don't, I don't want to go right now and start detailing out things and, and leaving out what other people are dealing with. But for your own person, think about what is it that hinders you the most? What cripples you the most? And Lord, may our eyes be enlightened right now so that we can see what snares the enemy has us in. You know, they talk about the circus elephant, that as a young elephant, they'll take and put a, a rope around that elephant's foot and stake it into the ground, and that little elephant will try to get back to mama, and it'll pull against that stake, and it'll pull against that stake. And it just it physically doesn't have the strength, even though they're still pretty strong for their age. But it can't break away from that thing. And then when that grown elephant is they're needing to keep it in a place, they can put something around its foot and put the stake in the ground, 
And that elephant, even though physically it has the might to be able to pull that snake, uh, snake, stake (laughs) up out of the ground and do whatever it needs to do or whatever it wants to do, right here, it's still it's still too weak in its own mind, its own thought process to be able to pull that stake. Why? Because it's been conditioned that I can't do that. Other people can do that, but I can't do that. I don't have the power to do that. People of God, how long are we going to continue accepting excuses? I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm not like other people. I don't have the strength that other people have because we've had that little rope around our foot for so long. I'm not good at this. But if you worked at it one day at a time, you might get gooder. You might find that there's been strength given you to overcome. You might find that there's a something churning on the inside like a river that's got to come out, that there's a fire that's burning and it's all consuming. And I may not have the strength and I may not have the skill of somebody else. I may have never been able to do it before, but somehow there's something coursing through my veins that gives me strength to be able to do the unspeakable, to be able to walk in places where I've never been able to walk before. Lake Wilson, we're going to have an exercise out there and just start off. (laughs) Why not step out into the unknown? Why not step out into the impossible? Why not move in places where we've moved before? And rather than putting a lid on what God can accomplish through us, why don't we step out into the power of the Almighty, move in the supernatural? What if that became our norm instead of our... Once in a while, we heard about somebody that did that. You know what's frustrating me? I don't like to have to tell other people's stories about what God's done. I mean, it's good to hear the testimony and everything like that, but it stirs me on the inside. I, w- I wanted to stir all of us. Don't be content with just telling about what God did through somebody else or with somebody else. Thank the Lord for, I love his name, Smith Wigglesworth. Don't you love that name, Wigglesworth? I love that. I love the fact that God moved on him on that way. But it should stir some kind of jealousy on the inside. Why not, Lord? I see people riding around through Walmart because they can't walk. I see people that have blind eyes. Why not today? And and, and I'm, I'm not perfect in this. I'm preaching to myself. But I remember being down in Costa Rica and the Lord challenged me. Can I just tell this story? What time is it? Three. Okay, okay. We got about 45 minutes. <laughs> what if we unleashed, took the chains off, didn't allow the obstacle to hinder us anymore? What if we just decided to let go and fall into the arms of the Lord and let Him carry us to places that we've never been before. I'm going to share a story with you because it needs to be planted. So let's plant some seed. I was in Costa Rica. I've shared this before, but I'm going to tell it again. In Costa Rica, they took us down this alleyway to a church. It was on a second-story level. It was all tile floor, just one big open room except for two bathrooms at the back. They 
sent us there with escort because they didn't want us walking by ourselves because of the drug lords and all the type of things in the area, prostitutes and things like that. They took us up to this, you know, they, they were protecting us going in. We went up to the upstairs of this, this building and uh, walked in there. We're having this, it was a prayer service of what they said it was going to be and we'd have an opportunity to share just a little bit at the end. But mostly it was just dedicated to prayer. People spread out all over the room. The room was wider, but just about like this size room, maybe a little bit bigger. But over in the back corner, back over there, there was a guy sitting with a chair. That one won't come off, but this one will. So he's, he's sitting over there. He has newspaper spread on the floor between his legs, and he's sitting there. And I'm back over there about where Bill and Alan is, and I'm over there praying away. And every once in a while I hear, I'm like, that'll really kind of break your concentration. I'm trying to have a moment with the Lord. And you'd hear, Ugh! I mean, it was heavy and thick and gross. And to paint the picture, they had newspaper on the floor in front of him, okay? And I'm, I about made it about 20 minutes of spirituality. And then, then all of a sudden, I said, Lord, that's just not right. That, you know, that guy's going to get somebody sick. I'm thinking about TB or what in the world's going on back over there, you know, and I'm being all spiritual about it. I'm like, Lord, that's not right for that guy to be in your church like that. You know, that, he shouldn't be in a public place, is what I'm thinking. And the Lord spoke to me and said, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and I'm like, I really, I'm like, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and he said, no, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I'm going to go pray. He said, Okay. So I went over there, and when I got there, his wife was standing there, and the Lord st struck me in an unusual kind of way, and he, he just told her, he said, she is protective over him, but she'll get in the way. So I went and laid hands on her, and she fell out in the spirit. And uh, then I began to just pray, and I'm praying, asking the Lord to guide me in what I need to say and what I need to do. We've got a language barrier, you know, and it was difficult. So I finally just felt like the Lord told me to come around and just put my, you know, he's not going to really understand what I'm saying when I'm praying. Sometimes we try to activate something inside of them, but we really, we're really we being a connection between heaven and earth, and we just need to be obedient to what God tells us. So I put my hand on his back, and I began to pray, and all of a sudden he went. He was sitting like this with his hands like this, and he'd go, <laughs> like this, you know. And, <laughs> so, uh, and he went, and when I put my hand on his back, he went, <gasps> And he slumped so hard, I thought, I killed him. <laughs> and, uh, but then the Lord said, put your hand on the other side. And so I stepped over and moved my hand on the other side, and he did the same thing. He <gasps> and he just slumped back down like that. And then he kind of slowly raised up his head, and he started sitting up like that. And I came around the front. By this time, his wife was getting up off the floor. And she came, she, she came along beside like this, and I, I came around front, and I took him by the hands. And I, by this time, you got to love it. When the Spirit of the Lord gets all over you, I didn't care what kind of phlegm was flying in that place. The Spirit of God was stronger than anything going on. And so it was just an opportunity for God to show himself. And uh, 
he was sitting here like this, and I took him by the hand, and I motioned for him to stand. And when he started to stand, he, he went kind of hesitantly like this, like he was anticipating something, you know. And I had him by the hand, so he couldn't brace himself or anything. He stood up real slowly, and then he, he stood up straight, and he, he did like this. And his eyes had this amazement on it. He started doing his legs. I didn't know there was something going on with his legs. But he stood up like that. And uh, I took him by the hands, and I just put my hands on his chest, and I started to pray. And he ended up throwing his hands up, and he started saying, Gloria Dios, Gloria Dios, Vittoria, Vittoria, Victory, Victory, Vittoria, Vittoria, Gloria Dios, Spiritu Santo. He's talking about Holy Spirit. He's talking, thank you, Jesus. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He started praising the Lord like that. And I got to take that outcast in the back corner with newspaper on the floor and by this time all the believers had gathered at the front there worshiping the Lord I got to take him by the hand and his wife at his other hand and got to walk him back into the fellowship of the believers because God had touched him he was breathing he wasn't coughing he had his hands raised up they both had this beaming smile on their face and they were praising the Lord and I thank the Lord that I had the experience and it's a part of my armory because I know God can do it. But that experience is way too far and in between. I don't want to dwell on yesteryear's experience. God, who needs you today? That same power. We haven't even got there in that scripture yet because I'm preaching too long. But it says that that same power that's at work in and to and through us is the very same power that was at work in Christ our Jesus and raised him up from the dead. The same power that was working in him is the same Holy Spirit power that's at work in us. Lord, take the lid off. God, whatever chain we become familiar with, break the chains. Lord, whatever's going on in our mind that says that we can't, we're not gifted like those other people, I'm not able to do it. God, give us a mindset to say, I may not have been able to do it, but I'm going to step through today. I'm willing to give to the Lord today. I'm willing to go beyond what I've done in the past. I'm willing to be the person that God, I'll be the point man today, Lord. I'll be that person who stands out and stands in front. I'll support and do whatever needs to be done. I'll, I'll pray, Lord, there's an opportunity here. Don't look around for somebody else. What are you going to do about it? What, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to leave them that way? That same power. It's not just working in Pastor David. It's working in you. Leave a blank space and put your name in it. If you're a child of God. I didn't get anywhere through what I was supposed to get to today. But I think I got through what I needed to get through. Amen. Folks. How do you change a life? Be light in the darkness. Just share what you have. Share what you have. How do you turn a city upside down? You go out and meet a need. Give them Jesus. Give them what you've got. You already know it works. There's some things that the Lord wants to break off of us. Okay? That comfort zone experience where we're just looking at Lord does your power work to me God doesn't want to be the lucky charm up on the shelf that we pull down when we have a need he wants what we have with him 
to be a dynamic, moving, developing relationship. Any, who is here that is very familiar with the Narnia stories? Anybody done a lot with the Narnia stories? There's a quote about the lion Aslan where they ask if he's, he's good or not or something. Like, Do you all remember that quote? I'm really looking for help here. Anybody know it? Christopher would know it, I know. But they ask about the lion Aslan. Aslan is representing Jesus, okay? This beautiful, picturesque, poetic, where Aslan roars out over this expansive wasteland, and all of a sudden creation just starts coming into being. Beauty, beauty, and it's just like a wave going across this space as he creates the earth. And then they talk about Aslan, and, and one of the things that talks about that lion is that is he dangerous? And it says, yes, he's dangerous. But he's good. God is not a puppet on a string. God is not there for our whims and our fancies. God is not just a big old granddaddy that wants us to... He's God. He's not to be trifled with. But he's good. And we can rest in that. And he's welcomed us into a good relationship with him. But folks, he needs workers. He needs people that are available. Not people that are just looking for him to be convenient to them. It's not just his power to us. He wants to demonstrate his power and his goodness through us. Come on, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Why not today? Lord God, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Lord, I, I can't go through a day without seeing some kind of news article or some kind of demonstration or some kind of testament to the fact that we live in a, a desperately broken and needy world. God, we all have things that we deal with on our own, dear God, but there's so many people that are, our lives are just being, it's like they're being put through a meat grinder of destruction. God, they're ensnared in things that they think are bringing pleasure to them, but really the end thereof is nothing but destruction. And Lord, I don't know how to number your believers throughout the earth. I, I don't just take statistical numbers and assume that everybody who says that they are or living where they ought to be, dear God, I also don't want to scout anybody in that way. But God, I do know this. Lord, I believe if those people who are called by your name and those who've committed themselves, you will stand up and just be good and be light and be salt in the earth, your God, I believe, Lord, that just a wave of your goodness, your God, would overcome the enemy. God, that you would destroy the works of the enemy and set captives free. So, God, why not start with the house of God? Lord, right now in this place, <laughs> I speak finality to the ensnarement and the entrapment of what the enemy has used for years to hold your people back those that have felt like they have been, that their 
past makes them unworthy, we declare today that you are worthy. Those who feel like that they have been ensnared to some kind of addiction, we break the chains of addiction in Jesus' name. Those who have been told that they're not good enough, that they have sinned so much that they, they cannot or aren't able, Lord, we just right now take authority over that right now. And he whom the Son has declared clean is clean. God, right now, we just, for those who feel like they don't have the power or the strength and, or that anxiety or fear ensnares them in such a way that they can't take a step forward, that the, it feels like the air gets sucked out of their lungs or the walls close in on them every time they get ready to do something, Lord, I thank you, God, that you did not give us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a self-controlled mind, your God. Lord, that that mind will not run away, but you've given them a spirit of power and of love power and love will take you to places where fear cannot master you and god we could sit here and try to enumerate thing uh, situation or circumstance after circumstance but lord whatever it is that stands in the way of your people fulfilling the purpose that you have for us god would you break it off in jesus name lord every snare we stand on your word it says he who the son sets free is free indeed. My past is gone. I've been set free. Thank you, Lord God. God, let us be that people to your God. Those who've turned the world upside down have come here also. So be it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's go be that people.